Welcome to The Gods We Belong To, an urban fantasy noir podcast. The Gods We Belong To tells one continuous story in order, and it's important to start at the beginning. So, first timers, it's back to episode one for you. Now, my faithful friends, take a beat, take a breath, and let's check in with Alex. Chapter 6 I awoke to the sounds of someone in my kitchen, clinking plates, rattling silverware, water running and splashing. Rubbing my eyes, I forced myself upright and cocked my head, listening more intently. Footsteps, containers opening, a dry scooping sound, and then, curiously, the whistle of the kettle, followed by pouring water. I slinked out of bed and slowly peeked around the corner to find Odin comfortably seated on my couch, busily tapping away at my laptop with a teapot and two cups on the table in front of him. Alex, he said without looking up from the screen, I see you've been researching the lovely Miss Bettany and watching an impressive amount of pornography. Good morning to you too, I rasped, then coughed. So... I suppose I should just get used to you showing up in my apartment unannounced at random hours and invading my privacy. Feeling a little cranky this morning? I did make tea. Why don't you go clean up all this steeps? Then we can talk. There wasn't much point arguing with Odin, and truth be told, I was in desperate need of a hot shower. Once I felt sufficiently steamed and scrubbed clean, I threw on a pair of jeans and a t-shirt and joined my uninvited guest in the living room. He was just pouring the deep amber tea when I sat down across from him. He slid one cup across the coffee table towards me. Be careful. It is quite hot. I thought I should check in, Alex, see what you've learned. Have your investigations borne fruit? I reached for the teacup. One of those handleless ceramic numbers, but pulled back, almost burning my fingers. Odin inclined his head and looked at me, expressing both a mocking, I told you so, and a resigned, why do they never listen, simultaneously. Well, Michael is a piece of work, I offered. Full-on cult leader type, that one, but then you know that. He nodded. He almost spotted me, like he caught a scent, but couldn't quite track it. Don't worry, I got out of there before he made me. Still, he did seem pretty bugged. Odin smiled slightly. Hopefully it will rankle. Well, let's hope. Plenty of rankling. As for Elizabeth... Oh, it's Elizabeth now, is it? He chided. Yeah, about that. And with that less-than-eloquent intro, I told Odin everything. Lying to him, or, or even obfuscating, seemed like a colossally bad idea, and besides, I had no reason to. So, she thinks you work for Michael. Interesting. 
still, it sounds like your emotions, or rather your desires, may be getting the better of you. Remember, you're meant to be getting into her head, not the other way around. It may be best to keep some distance between you and Miss Bettany, just to be safe. And by the way, what happened to your face? Oh, yeah. I felt for the fly-inflicted welt and winced when I found it. Yeah, that was pretty weird. There was this fly, kept coming back. I, I knew something was off there, meant to check it out, but it must have slipped my mind. Held between that kamikaze fly and the splitting headache I got as soon as I sat down, it's a wonder I got through the interview. By the way, that headache seemed particularly nasty behind the new eye. Any reason that would be the case? A fly, eh? He chuckled. Why is that funny? It's nothing. This headache you mentioned, was it only in her presence? It ceased when you two parted. I, I guess so, but the Vicodin I took after lunch probably didn't hurt. What's it mean? An excellent question, Alex. But don't lose focus. Let me investigate, he said. Still, remember my warning. Be wary of Elizabeth Bettany. And by no means give in to your desires. She may use them to ensnare you. Sure. Uh, okay. Alex, I very much enjoy your sarcasm. But do not allow your irreverent wit to blind you to the real dangers around you. These are treacherous waters you are swimming in. You're right. He was. I get it. I didn't. Not yet, anyway but I would. As Michael can apparently sense your presence, it's best you keep your eye on Miss Bettany from a distance. There are only a few days until the wedding. Either she's brewing some scheme or Michael is. She may lead you to things worth knowing. And do take care, Alex. I can aid you if your need is dire, but not without consequences. Before I could ask him what the hell he meant by consequences, he was gone again, slipped back through the void, leaving an untouched cup of tea sitting on my table and my laptop open, colorful browsing history prominently displayed. There were only four days until the much-anticipated Enderly Bettany wedding, and my assignment seemed simple enough. Observe and follow leads. Stay out of sight. In other words, Alex, just don't do anything stupid. Sure, it sounds simple. And for most of the day, I was the very model of discretion, always just far enough behind, never arousing suspicion, hers or that of her none-too-subtle tale. She was being followed, all right. There was a pair of church goons brazenly trailing behind her like lawyers after an ambulance, not even bothering to be subtle about it. It was like they wanted her to know they were there. But there was no contact, no sense of threat or intimidation, just a constant presence. It wasn't until later, when I was following her from a trendy sushi joint back to her place, that I slipped up. Got too close to her car. Truth be told, I think I wanted her to spot me. Spending all those hours watching her but never speaking to her, never getting close to her, was far harder than I'd expected. The more I felt drawn to her, the more I suspected that Odin was right. There was something somehow sinister about Elizabeth Bettany. 
But that suspicion did nothing to dampen my desire. On the contrary, it made it even stronger, added that spice of danger and the forbidden I've always found so hard to resist. Regardless, she saw me, and there was no point pretending. I wasn't too panicked. After all, she still didn't know who I really worked for. I figured I could just play it off as excessive concern for her safety. At the next red light, she turned her head, looked right at me, and motioned for me to follow her, which, of course, I already was. After another mile or so, we started winding our way up slim and snaky roads into the Hollywood Hills. It wasn't hard to see why rich folks paid big to live up here, literally looking down on all the rest of us trudging through the smog-filled trough of L.A. Hell, from up here at night, with all the lights of the city glowing and streams of headlamps gliding through the streets like armies of iridescent ants, from up here, it almost looked beautiful. After a few more turns down ever more narrow streets, she pulled into the driveway of a modestly sized modern-style house of concrete and glass, all right angles. I parked in a secluded spot just down the street. I hadn't seen her two-man tail since the sushi place, but that didn't mean they weren't there. So it seemed wise not to be too blatant about this, whatever this was going to be. As I walked towards the house, the lights went on inside, revealing a sparse, open interior. Elizabeth was striding slowly across the living room floor, leaving first her coat, then both shoes, and finally her dress in a trail on the floor behind her. Her eyes were locked on mine the whole time. She reached the far end of the room, extended her arm, and stroked, not flicked, but stroked the switch on the wall. The windows began to darken as she slinked around the corner and out of sight, the glass itself going opaque until it was solid pitch black. I found the front door cracked open, gave it a nudge, and slipped inside, closing the door behind me. The lights were still on, only dimmed. I followed the strains of ambient electronica and the scent of sweet spices and found myself in the bedroom, candles flickering all around. I heard her voice from the door behind me. Hello, Alex, she said, syrupy and sweet. I'm glad to see you took my concerns so seriously. I never imagined you'd become my full-time security detail. Still, I must admit I rather like the attention. Well, you sounded worried, I said clumsily, glancing over my shoulder. I just wanted to keep an eye on you, make sure you, you weren't in any danger. The room was mostly dark, but I could see her silhouette in the doorway. My hero, she said slyly, coming closer. And whatever can I do to repay such gentlemanly conduct? My mind was reeling with an intense desire that made any prior notion of lust seem like indifference by comparison. This was moon and tides, gravity and irresistible force. But Odin had been very insistent, something I'd told him clearly put him on edge. And if it made Odin nervous... Focus, Alex. Remember the job. Remember the warnings. Then I felt her hands on my shoulders, soft and strong at the same time. Then her fingers in my hair and the hot, soft bloom of her breath on the back of my neck. 
My mind went slack, all the blood fleeing my brain for points south. She was talking now, whispering silky-sounding words in my ear. But the more I tried to focus on the words, to, to make them out, the more they faded, getting blurrier until there was just a stream of sound, a river of seductive voice that carried me along in its current. I melted into her arms, falling into her mind and body, letting the river carry me away. I knew I'd dreamed this, or something like it, and a tiny voice sounded an ineffectual warning that it had not ended well. But I was far too gone to hear or care, no longer able to tell thoughts from sensations, mind from body, me from her. I remember one last thought stabbing at my final feeble strains of self before everything went blurry. Now, Alex, my friend, you are well and truly fucked. That's sure as hell how I felt when I woke up the next morning, naked, excepting an eye patch, head throbbing, sprawled across Elizabeth's bed in a chaos of sheets. She was nowhere to be found, but her scent was heavy in the air, on the sheets, on me. I stumbled into the bathroom, splashed some water on my face, and tried to get a handle on just what the hell was going on. Okay... Assess the evidence, one thoroughly worked over bed, which I woke up in, a variety of scratches on my back revealed by a quick look in the mirror, and one very nasty headache with a particular talon hold behind my right eye. And then there was the note, left casually next to the sink, which read simply, Thanks, E. I turned the shower on full blast and steaming, tried my best to scrub out not only the unmistakable scent of what we'd done, but the bone-deep feeling of just plain wrong that came with it. I've had plenty of questionable hookups in my time, especially since I got into the detective game. Strippers, hookers, porn stars, wackos, and all manner of figurative succubi. So I'm no stranger to the morning after, or moment after, what the fuck was I thinking experience, but it's usually nothing a shower, a joint, and a drink can't take care of. This was different. This was way worse. And it did not wash off. I felt emptied, like I'd been scooped out and left hollow. But why? Because I fucked someone my boss told me not to? No there was something else going on here. I was sure of it, just like I was sure that once I sussed what it was, I'd wish I hadn't. I got out of the shower feeling no cleaner, threw my clothes back on, and eagerly lit up the joint I found tucked away in my inside jacket pocket. My first impulse was to hightail it out of there, flee the scene of the crime, then it hit me that I'd been left alone in the home of the very person I was actually supposed to be investigating. Leaving a trail of smoke in my wake, I made my way from one room to the next, looking for any hint of exactly what kind of mess I'd gotten myself into. The first thing I noticed was nothing. No pictures of family or friends or memorable vacations. No diplomas, no trophies, no mementos, no evidence of a life. Granted, Elizabeth Bettany did not strike me as sentimental, not a keepsake kind of girl, but... This was just weird. No matter how I searched, how many drawers I rifled or closets I plundered, there was still nothing 
It was like she'd moved into one of those show homes set up to look like Martha Stewart's wet dream. It was all facade, layer after layer of artifice with nothing at all underneath. With my head full of strange thoughts and ominous shadows, I collected my coat and keys and made for the front door. The bright L.A. sunshine damn near blinded me and prevented me from seeing what was coming next. One solid punch to the face was all it took to send me sprawling several feet back into the house, suddenly delirious with shock and pain, nose most definitely broken. Flat on my back, blood running down my face and fighting to see straight, I could just make out two shapes coming through the door. My right eye pulsed nervously. In a panic, I pulled the patch, revealing a pair of semi-radiant half-breeds marching towards me. Hello, Mr. Cassander, said the first one, pausing a few feet away. Michael Enderly sends his regards. So that's where Elizabeth's tale had gotten to. Shit. He doesn't appreciate your interest in his fiancée, the second one continued, and just wait till he finds out how you two spent last night. He stopped, and asshole number one picked up the baton. Actually, he wants you dead already, so it probably won't make much of a difference. He'll just be that much happier when we bring him your heart, and I'm sure he'll want to look at that fascinating eye of yours. <laughs> Might as well bring him your head, too. Fortunately for you, now we have to hunt down his whore of a fiancé as well, so there's no time to draw this out, make it last. Which is disappointing. Takes all the joy out of the work, really. Now, be a good boy. Play nice. Play nice? Not fucking likely. I shuffled backwards until my back hit the wall and struggled to my feet. With nowhere left to run, I put all my already depleted strength into one desperate left hook aimed square at half-breed number one. I landed a solid hit right to the jaw, but it was like punching concrete. Excruciating pain ran up my arm. The half-breed grabbed me by my hair and his glowing fist rocketed towards me. He connected with incredible force. My right eye shattered in an explosion of pain and dark energy. I felt the void black matter at the orb's center escape, seemingly eager to slip its bonds. It shot through me like lightning. My whole body convulsed and went stiff for what felt like forever, but was in fact more like ten seconds, while my attackers simply watched, observing my agony. Then I collapsed, limp and panting, watching helplessly as the two demi-angels closed in. I could see their human bodies, then their dimly radiant selves, then both overlaid, flashing from one to another to another. And now I could hear them, choppy at first, like a weak radio signal, but getting clearer. They were talking, or, or maybe it was chanting in some murky and ancient-sounding tongue. I couldn't make out a word of it. I could also smell honeysuckle sickly sweet and heavy in the air. I hate honeysuckle. Figures that's what angels would smell like. They were right on top of me about to commence my final beating. Then the world just exploded. The air itself seemed to rupture as if split with an axe, and Odin tore through the open wound, howling, bestial, and wild, his single eye burning like a murderous sun. The dark and fearsome shape of an enormous wolf loomed behind his earthly body, his spirit self gone feral, as he launched himself headlong at the half-breeds who looked suddenly unsure, hesitant, 
afraid. Odin closed a hand around the throat of the first attacker and slammed him back into the wall, lifting him clear off the floor. Shrieking wildly into the demi-angel's face, the wolf god pulled him close and then drove his head back into the wall with ferocious glee, over and over until his skull shattered with a sickening wet crunch, spraying the wall with blood, bone, and brain. The second half-breed was chanting even more loudly now, eyes wide with fear and fervor. He charged, shouting, For Michael! His spirited battle cry was cut violently short as Odin's hand clamped down vice-like on his lower jaw and with a single savage motion wrenched it free. The sound of cracking bone, tearing flesh, and snapping tendons was quickly followed by a horrid cacophony of gurgling, blood-choked screams as the demi-angel fell to his knees, tongue lolling grotesquely around the shredded wreckage of his mouth. Odin stood over him, staring directly into the half-breed's fear-mad eyes for several awful seconds, savoring the dreadful sounds of his suffering before driving the poor wretch's own gore-slick jawbone deep into his skull with a brutal, primal, triumphant roar. The demi-angel's body slipped lifeless to the floor. Then Odin took several deep breaths. He closed his eye for a second, and when he reopened it, the lethal fire had faded to an ember. Wiping his bloody hands on his victim's coat, he turned his red-spattered face to me. Now then, I expect you have no desire to explain this mess to the police, and you have wounds that need tending to. Seems to me we'd be better off gone. Wouldn't you agree, Alex? I tried to speak and no words came. I tried to nod, but even that seemed like far more effort than I could muster. The last thing I remember of that nightmare scene is Odin lifting me to my feet, holding me steady, whispering strange words. And then the darkness. This has been The Gods We Belong To, Episode 6. The Gods We Belong To is written, performed, edited, and produced by Dan Goldstein. Theme music is I'll Drive by Daniel Birch. Additional episode music Dreams Never Die, Apollo, You're Not Forgiven, and Weightlessness by Daniel Birch. Pilgrim's Progress by Chad Crouch and Can't Feel My Head by Unheard Music Concepts. If you enjoyed this episode, please help spread the word. Tell a friend. Better yet, tell lots of friends. If you have lots of friends. You can even tell your enemies. If you have lots of enemies. Post, tweet, shout from an open window. 
Five-star reviews are particularly helpful and appreciated. However you do it, thank you. You can find the show on Twitter at Gods We Belong To. Episode 7 is coming in just one week. So until then, don't do anything Alex wouldn't do.